Welcome to the Pep Talk with James and Zach, the number one podcast for NFL news, analysis, and breakdowns. Let's get into it. All right, we're going to kick it off real quick with this past week, the wild card weekend. It's a pretty good round, I feel like, in my opinion. Um, definitely some games that I didn't see coming, but um, certainly you know, not. It is what it is. Certainly not as competitive in some areas uh, as I expected. Uh, the well, first game up not being the case, though, with that. The the Raiders and the Bengals, what a game. You know, you know, I'm pretty surprised that the Raiders kept it within seven points, though. Like, 1926, I did not expect it to be that close. I thought the Raiders were going to get – like, no offense to the Raiders. I didn't think they stood a chance against the Bengals. Um, I mean – Derek Carr played pretty good. He went 29 for 54, 310 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, props to him for coming out and being able to put together a good game. Um, Just weren't able to pull it out, but I was pretty surprised at the way they played. Yeah, I mean, the Bengals uh, played as close to a perfect conservative game as you could come out with. Uh, They scored points on their first one, two, three, four, five possessions. Uh, one of those being a short field, four plays, two yards for a field goal, uh, coming off of the the fumble on the Raiders' second drive, which uh, I think that was probably the, the major turning point in this game was that uh, the Bengals got their big play early, uh, got their turnover, and then they just kind of held on to the momentum they needed. Like I said, they went to score on five straight drives. Uh, even if you're just getting field goals in this league, I mean – Sometimes that's not going to be enough, but up against a team like the Raiders, uh, it shows that it was. I mean, Joe Burrow, 23 of, 24 of 34, 244 and two TDs, nothing spectacular. Joe Mixon, 17 carries for 48 yards, 2.8 yards per carry, nothing spectacular. Uh, again, I think they just played clean, fundamental football. They moved the ball when they had to, uh, put some points on the board, and ultimately got that major pick to seal the game, and I thought that was – uh, pretty spectacular yeah. just because, I mean, the Raiders were knocking on the door uh, to get that tie uh, late in the game. So, yeah, definitely definitely lower scoring than I thought it would be uh, for it being this close. I expected if it was going to be this close, it would have been probably more in like the 35-30 range. But uh, kudos to the Raiders for having a defensive stand and uh, slowing down the Bengals, if anything. But uh, obviously it was just not enough. Yeah, and I mean – I mean, I think they came in with a good game plan. Like, Joe Burrow didn't, like you were saying, have one of those huge games that he's been having, I feel like, almost every week now. Um, Kept him under 300 yards, which, I mean, is pretty normal. But, like, with Joe Burrow, I feel like that's a – like, if you keep Joe Burrow under 300 yards in in a pretty competitive game, I feel like he did something right, especially with how he's playing right now. So, I mean, Raiders definitely definitely came in swinging. Um, just couldn't pull it out. I mean, I would have loved to see the Raiders take out the Bengals, but at the same time, like, I want like the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since like what nineteen ninety. So I mean, for nineteen ninety one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, awesome for the Bengals to get a get their first playoff win since then. Um, I mean, I think this is really showing how good Joe Burrow is in his second year to come in and um, really pick up this team. And like one thing Absolutely. I did, I did want to say is like. I feel like Joe Burrow's getting a lot of the props, but, like, I want to give a shout-out to the whole Bengals team because, I mean, they – like, a quarterback helps, but um, you do have to have, like, a good 
um, surrounding for him. And I feel like the Bengals have done such a good job at building around Joe Burrow and bringing in the weapons that he needs to um, succeed with this football team. So, I mean, they're doing a great job. Yeah, and um, before I kind of give the props to them, the one thing I will say, you know, the Raiders outgained him 385 yards to 308. Uh, so that is something that, like I said, keeping Joe Burrow looking more pedestrian, making Joe Mixon look more pedestrian. Uh, those are recipes for success when they're going to be facing these other top tier teams. Uh, so that's something to be looking at going forward. But I think you're absolutely right. There's Joe Burrow is not the end all be all on this team, but he's the glue that holds it all together. Uh, credit to the Bengals organization for putting together uh, enough pieces uh, to make Joe Burrow be successful. Um, that being said, he's doing it with almost no offensive line. So got to yeah. definitely give him some credit there, but they got T Higgins in the same draft as him uh, as that, Hey, here's your number one guy. And that he said, no, nope, go get me chase. That's my number one guy. I want to have two number one guys out here. Let's, let's run this thing up. And so far it's been looking good. Congratulations to the Bengals as a Steelers fan uh, that hurts. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But, yeah, uh, Joe Burrow in his second year in a dysfunctional franchise, getting that playoff win, major yeah, I'm, Yeah, I'm hoping this is good signs for the Bengals. I'd love to see him start, you know, competing um, more than they have been in the past, obviously. But, I mean, yeah, they played a, played a great game. Absolutely. All so, right, moving along here. Patriots, is that where we at? Yeah, Patriots, Bills. Didn't see that coming. Let me just start with this. Mac Jones didn't even have that bad of a game. Yeah, I know. It was an average game. It wasn't a a good game by any means, but it was like an average game. It was like you wouldn't look at Mac Jones, 24-38, 2-32, two TDs, two picks. You wouldn't look at that and think like, oh, this team just got blown out of the water. But Josh Allen had a perfect game. 25 pass attempts. He had more touchdowns than he had incompletions. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's I mean, crazy. I didn't even see that. It was absolutely unreal. The fact that he was able to do this up against a Bill Belichick defense. Uh, I don't know if we're starting to see the cracks in Bill. Uh, this is definitely a big one, especially after all the nonsense that Sean McDermott was talking, saying, hey, don't be giving all this credit to Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, basically saying, hey, we're a really good football team, too, after that that beatdown that they had, uh, three pass attempts and everything. But Josh Allen has been absolutely lights out against the Patriots through the last eight quarters. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it even in the last one is like, we both, I think, did you pick the Patriots to win this? I think I did. I did, yeah. I was I was really expecting Bill Belichick and his coaching experience uh, to be able to step into this situation, especially what, with, with what we saw from the last game. Uh, okay, they're going to be able to make some adjustments. They're going to be able to do what they need to do. Uh, you know, Mac Jones did have a really poor game on their last game. We said, okay, he's going to be better than that. Uh, we, You know, Josh Allen in the last game was 30 for 47, so 17 incompletions, uh, 314 and three TDs. He was really conservative. He, he checked down a lot. He did what he had to do. Um, whereas in this this game, he he elevated. He came up, you know, uh, in a way that I've I've never seen a quarterback do against a divisional rival, uh, against a great 
defensive head coach, uh, anything like that. So spectacular move from them. They did stay balanced, 16 carries from Devin Singletary on the ground. Uh, It's going to be a long off season for the New England Patriots. Uh, That being said, this is a team who who was a rookie quarterback, first-round quarterback, I think, one of very, very few who has started a playoff game in his rookie season. So uh, it, you can't take the Patriots season and just say, hey, they're, they were, t-. you know, they finished 10 and seven in the Bills division who finished 11 and six. Boy, just, I mean, I'm, I'd say I'm speechless, but I'm the opposite of it. I can't, I'm, I'm just word vomiting because I'm just so blown away by what happened in this game. I would have never, I would have never put money that this would have been the outcome. Yeah, I mean, if you told me that, um, Josh Allen would have come out with a 157.6 rating. Like, I'd have told you you're crazy, especially against this defense. I think we both projected a fairly low-scoring game. Yeah. And so, I mean, it didn't snow, I don't think, did it? I know, no, it but it was cold, cold. But I don't think it snowed, yeah. And it so was single I think, digits. Yeah, single digits. Didn't snow. They projected a little bit of snow. But, um, you know, I just don't understand, like, how the Bills went from – like, the last time they played, it was, like, super low scoring. And then they come out here and drop 47 this time. Granted, I, I think it was raining when they played last time. Or snowing there, or something like that. There was like some that. rain, and there was some rain. Again, not good weather. Um, yeah. I will, I will zip in here just one moment. The one thing I will say, obviously momentum is a huge thing in the NFL. Uh, mm-hmm. The one thing that they had going for them was two just absolutely – spectacularly unbelievable catches by Dawson Knox to get them up to that 14 points in the beginning of the game. I mean, completely blanket covered, you know, going up the first one, Josh Allen rolling out to his right, just basically trying to throw it out the back of the end zone. Almost Dawson Knox going up 14 feet in the air and high point in the ball in coverage with a hand in his face, everything coming down, toe tapping on the pylon. I mean, just an unreal catch. And then honestly, the second one, just a easy coming across center of the end zone. Allen in the pocket rips it into him. I mean, the defender was hanging off of him. It should have been pass interference. He was so covered um, and held an arm in the face again uh, and just came down with it. So it was definitely a situation where a lot of things went well for the bills. Um, but it takes a lot of talent, obviously for those things to go well. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and just crown this team as the best ever uh, and the best in the AFC yet, but yeah yeah I mean they're getting close uh I mean that touchdown that Josh Allen had the one you were talking about where he just basically threw the ball away after the game he came out and said he's like man I wasn't even trying to like do anything like I was literally just trying to throw the ball away and then like yeah he threw it got knocked down now I don't know how much truth there is to that like obviously you can throw a pass like that and you know to sweeten the story just be like I was just trying to throw the ball away whatever but like I mean, it literally does look like he's trying to throw the ball away. Like, he just is, like, trotting along, and then he just, like, throws the ball up. So, I mean, I can believe it. And it was just a spectacular catch. So, that definitely a big momentum swing there, like you were saying, to open up with that and then go up 14-0 on this team. But, you know, I just – the Bills just played lights out the whole game. Yeah. And that's – you know, I will say, you know, kind of like the Rams – if they play this football for 60 minutes, there's nobody in the AFC that can beat them. There just isn't. 
The problem yeah. is, is you just don't know which version of Josh Allen you're going to get. Are you going to get the Josh Allen who gets confused by the coverage uh, and throws two interceptions versus um, versus the Colts? Are you going to get the, the Josh Allen who throws three interceptions against Atlanta? Or are you going to get Josh Allen who, again, this is the Jacqueline Hyde scenario here. Are you going to get the Josh Allen who goes 21 of 25, 308 and five touchdowns? versus the greatest defensive mind in NFL history. Uh, you just don't know who you're going to get, and that's why I said I can't sell out on the Bills yet. But, boy, when they are clicking, when they are on, there are very few teams that are going to beat them, hands down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if they keep playing like this throughout the playoffs, I think they're going to have a pretty deep push. And I'll be the first to say I was definitely wrong. Like lots of times I said throughout the podcast that I think this is the worst team that is good – but, like, they're good. They are they good. Are. They are good, except for the thing is you say that they're the worst team – they're the worst good team in the NFL because you say that coming off of their bad games. And when, yeah. they, play, when they play bad, they play really, really bad. Uh, Josh Allen is so spectacularly inconsistent. He's either absolutely lighting you up or just throwing some really boneheaded uh, – there have been a few games this year where I have watched him play, and I just think – there is no way to stop him. He's, he's fast. He's physical. He'll run you over. He'll throw it down the field. He will throw it into the tightest of windows. There's maybe two, three other players max in the last 25 years that can make the throws that Josh Allen can make on the run, off platform. I mean, when, when they're on, they're really the best, in the best in the business. But they're off so often that you, it's so easy to get blinded by that and think this team isn't even good. You know, look what they just had happen here. So uh, I, I definitely I'm not going to knock you for, you know, saying that they're a bad, good team, because, again, it's just which team is going to show up. Uh, we're going to find out. I mean, I'll tell you that right now. We're going to find out next week if this team is going to yeah. continue to show up because they just got to keep yeah, going one and zero. Yeah, which I really hope they do, because, like, I'd love to see Josh Allen, you know, in the AFC championship, maybe even the Super Bowl. But. I mean, they still got a they still got a ways to go and some good teams to go through if they want to if they want to make it that far. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I, I'll be the first to admit I was completely wrong about Josh Allen when he was drafted out of Wyoming. Uh, I was reading an article uh, when he was a senior or a junior, whatever his last year at Wyoming was, uh, and I looked him up and he was completing like fifty three percent of his passes in Wyoming, and I thought, what are they thinking? This kid is terrible. Uh, why are they saying that this guy is going to be the future first-round pick? All these different things. And then he came in and he played his rookie year out. And, you know, he completed 52% of his passes for 2,000 yards, uh, 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And you thought, well, no, we're definitely right about this guy. And then he completed 58% of his passes for 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. And I thought, well, maybe. But he still seems like he's pretty average. Uh, and then mm -hmm. obviously last year was the first year that he kind of stepped up 69% of his passes, uh, 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And it seemed like this year he kind of fell back, uh, you know, in those games that we talk about where he only completed 63% of his passes for 4,400 yards, 36 touchdowns, to 15 interceptions. It's almost like last year he was trying to prove how efficient and, you know, make the right choices every week. Whereas this year he almost wanted to show like, Hey, I can do all of that. And I can do all these other things. Uh, and if he can find that balance, if he can get closer back to that 2020 
season where he's being a lot more efficient and just taking care of the football. Again, that's where it's like you put that together with a good team, a good, you know, cultured head coach, and this team's going to be good for a long time. Yeah, for sure. And, like, you know, kind of with him being, you know, so off and on, like, I mean, in the in his good games, he's doing this 21 for 25, you know, completing whatever percentage that is, 70, whatever that would be. But in his bad games, I mean, he's completing like 50 percent. So um, with with that tw- uh, the 2020 season, I mean, he was consistently, you know, having OK games, but now he's having like either great games or bad games. So yeah. he definitely needs to start clicking back into that rhythm of um, having OK games consistently. But I think he's at that level now where he can start having like good games consistently where he is doing that like, you know, 65 to 68% completions and, you know, stuff like that. And so I'm really hoping that, you know, after after these playoffs and after the season's over for him, that um they can kind of figure something out to get him back into that rhythm. Because it's yeah. always exciting to watch him play when he is on. Yeah, and speaking of people that are exciting to watch them play, Big Ben Roethlisberger, 29-44, <laughs> 215 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, versus Patrick Mahomes, 30 of 39, 404 yards against that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, five touchdowns to one interception. (sighs) Boy, talk about if this didn't seal the argument that uh, T.J. Watt should have been and should be the MVP of this season, I don't know what could be. (laughs) Uh, You know, getting in the passing lane, batting up the ball for the interception, uh, getting that fumble recovery, taking it to the house, uh, really making this game at one point look like it was going to be competitive uh, solely because T.J. Watt was out there on the field. I mean, say no more for me. I mean, the kid is just absolutely spectacularly talented, one of the best and most disruptive defensive players we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, But you were up against the Kansas City Chiefs. You weren't just up against Patrick Mahomes. You were up against Travis Kelsey, Jarek McKinnon out there, McCole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, the whole crew. And uh, by the end of it, it just looked like they were just playing against the JV team. They were doing whatever they wanted. They were pulling out the trick plays. They're back. They are back. Uh, This team is ready to make another run for the Super Bowl. And – the way that they played against that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, I'm going to say it's going to be tough for anybody to come in there and beat them. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are another one of those teams of, especially this year towards the beginning of the season, like when they were kind of like the Bills, they were either on or they weren't. And they started out that season pretty rough, um, but they were able to make a great recovery and, you know, win out most of their games after, I want to say, week six or whatever. And so, because they had the, I want to say they started two and three or something like that, two and four, but they definitely had that bumpy start. And, um, you know, towards the beginning, you're kind of like, sort of with the Bills, you're like, all right, well, are they going to be like consistent? Because when they're playing good, they're winning by, you know, whatever, 20 points. But when they're playing bad, they're losing by that same amount. So you just don't know. And, but like you're saying, I think that they have, recovered from that and learned from their mistakes. And now that, now that they're back on rhythm, they're ready to 
play anyone. So yeah, I, I think we just crowned them as being so much better than anybody else. Uh, we've kind of done what we did to the Patriots years ago. Uh, if yeah. we see them falter at all, it's just they're done, they're out, it's over. Uh, you know, I've gone through this. They lost to the Ravens by one point, thirty six, thirty five. They lost to the Chargers by six. Uh, divisional rival those games are going to be hit or miss chargers really really good football team they lost to the bills 38 to 20 uh this was back before their defense got to work at all uh patrick mahomes kind of did some goofy stuff in that game josh allen balled out uh they lost to the titans i believe the derrick henry titans yeah the derrick henry titans uh so they lost to some really really good football teams early in the season and then they lost to the Bengals. uh week 17 so all that to say they also beat the Packers they also beat the Cowboys uh they beat the Raiders they beat the Chargers they beat the Steelers regular season uh they beat Washington I guess that doesn't count for much uh, and they beat the Browns so they beat a lot of good football teams where they they, they got beat by a couple of good football teams as well so I'm not going to get it too down the well of well, they were a lot better than their record indicated, and I think they've kind of been on track the whole season. But it does show they have gotten consistently better each week. And so I think this is the game we all wanted to see. I think we would have rather seen it in the AFC Championship. Uh, but this is a big one. Kansas City Chiefs, Bills. We'll get into that when we're coming down the recap because I think I'm going to get too down that well. Uh, big yeah. win uh, for them over the Steelers. Dominating win. But kudos to Ben Roethlisberger on his career. It seems like he is probably going to be hanging it up. Uh, he had a good one, two Super Bowl appearances. He got his ring. Uh, things had gone a little bit different with A.B. and Le'Veon Bell and some different things there. Who knows what could have been. Uh, but fitting for him to at least make the postseason, another winning season in the books for him. And uh, nobody really expected them to win this game, so. Yeah, and I mean, with Ben Roethlisberger coming into this game, like, I get what he was trying to do with this whole statement about how, like, they have no chance. But at the same time, I feel like you're going to discourage players on your team when you have, like, a leader like that who's been playing for however many years and he's, like, the veteran of the team and, you know, the captain, whatever you want to call it. And, like, for him to come out and be like, yeah, we have no shot, we're basically done already. Like, I get the point behind that. You're trying to get your guys, you know, hungry to win. You're trying to motivate them a little bit, you know, behind the scenes. But, man, I just don't think that was the right move. I don't think he played that right. Like, I, I don't get think the, that, I don't I think the point that there behind it, but. I think it's easy to look at that and say, oh, I don't think that's the right move. But I don't think it would have mattered. Uh, this was a team that beat him 36 to 10 uh, less than a month ago. So, uh, they they knew who they were. Big Ben knew who he was. Uh, I think that's classic Ben Roethlisberger speaking to the media, just kind of, you know, being Keeping blunt, real. Telling, telling you what it is, you know. And uh, at the end yeah. of the day, uh, cream rises, you know. Cream rises to the top. And if you can't come through uh, when it matters the most, uh, what are you going to do? And, and speaking of not being able to come through, Deontay Johnson, five catches for 34 yards on 10 targets, at least two drops. I mean, that guy wants to be a number one so bad. And I think that because he's got the veteran in Ben Roethlisberger, he was looking like a number one. But with Juju coming back, I think they got to get Juju re-signed. 
move on from Deontay Johnson. He just got hands of stones as the season went on. And honestly, this could have been a game if he would have made a couple of catches. I mean, two drops on third down in the first quarter. At, at what point do you have to say, hey, this is, this is on your shoulders. We, we, we went to you in a moment that we were trying to move the sticks. We put the ball on you and you dropped it. Uh, that's huge. Those are, those are stats that don't, that don't get logged. Or it's not a metric, but that's massive. You're responsible for two punts with those drops. So, uh, yeah, I mean, major let down. And... Yeah, that's the whole thing with momentum too. Like you, now instead of like being able to be like, oh, if we converted on third down, maybe we could have scored and, you know, kept it a close game through the first quarter and kept that momentum going early. Um, now you're like, well, we had to give the ball away. So who knows what that could have been, but. You know, the Steelers are going to have a lot of rebuilding to do, especially with Big Ben leaving and kind of figuring out what their team's going to look like next year. Obviously, with um, Johnson and Juju Smith, you just don't know which one of them is going to step up and be your number one guy. And um, a lot of people want to say it's Juju Smith, but it's the same thing with DK Metcalf. He's so young and has that attitude with him that, you know, I – he could be the number one, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't. And then they're also going to have to fill the gap at quarterback. So the Steelers are going to have a lot of, a lot of rebuilding to do this off season. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, Juju, I think is better as a number two. I think Claypool is more suited to become a number one over yeah. there. Obviously maturity is a big deal. Uh, I did have a stat here that I wanted to share. So, uh, the Steelers had the ball for 13 and a half minutes in the first half. Uh, and they put up 44 yards of offense. That's 45% of the time they had time of possession. Nearly 50% of the time they put up 44 yards. The uh, Chiefs had put up 180 in 55% of the time holding the ball in that first half. Um, so that just goes to show you the Steelers were trying to do things and move the ball. Uh, they were holding on to the ball, but they just couldn't convert in those little moments. Uh, you know, when yeah. you're, when you're, when you're that close in time of possession, you feel like you've got a real shot in any game when your defense is playing well, but if you can never convert on third down, there's just nothing you're ever going to do. So, yeah. And like back again with like even Chase Claypool, like, so you have all these young guys, like the Steelers have a very young receiving core right now. And um, I've said it before, I think, pretty sure, that all of these young college guys coming in, are used to, they're used to being the guy back when they were in college, and they all still want to be the guy. And so a lot of them haven't been able to develop in the NFL, you know, professional level wide receiver, because a lot of them can't accept the fact of, I'm not going to be the guy coming in my first year. And so I'd be interested to see how that's going to work out with, you know, such a young core right there with Juju and um, uh, Claypool. Because both of them have that kind of personality, like the college personality, I guess we can call it. And so I think they both need to, you know, mature a little bit and um, understand they're playing professionally now and not they're not both going to be that guy anymore. One of them is going to have to step up and the other one's going to have to accept his spot as number two. And I'll tell you who's not a guy. I'm moving on here because I agree with everything you said, but I just felt like it just segued perfectly. Jalen Hurts. Oh, not a guy. Is not a guy. I want him to be so bad, and it hurts so bad to see him not be that guy. This team was beat 31 to nothing. 
I know it'll say 31 to 15. But the Buccaneers 15. were done playing in the fourth yeah, they, quarter. They knew they had won. They put garbage up 15 time. points in the fourth quarter. So those Jalen, are garbage time points. Jalen Hurts just looked like he was not ready for the moment. Uh, maybe, I'll give some credit, maybe this Tampa Bay secondary just got good. I know they got a couple of guys back. Maybe they're suddenly turning the team and being, you know, a really good uh, secondary. I don't know. But I got to say, if I'm the Eagles, which I've talked to a few Eagles fans in the last couple of days, and I'm looking at what Carson Wentz did to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm looking at what Jalen Hurts did to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm questioning who I'd rather have as a quarterback but it sounds like they're all real happy. They've got new, uh, Indianapolis's first round pick and they get to use it a little bit earlier because they just didn't show up to the playoffs. Uh, but Tampa Bay, I mean, they just, like we said before this, I don't even feel like we need to spend a whole lot of time on it. Uh, this was a gimme. There was a 99.9% chance they were going to win this game. And they did exactly what they needed to do. Played efficient football. Uh, didn't turn the ball over, I don't think, at all. Yeah, didn't turn mm, the I ball over so. and uh, did what they had to do. Took the run game away, which is what they do to teams the best. And, yeah, Jalen yeah, Hurts, I mean, though, they... not a guy. I almost wonder if he would have been better off with a Gardner Minshew out there, somebody who's more of a pure passer. Take out, oh, yeah. take take what's there. I don't know. Um, Minshew didn't look good in his last game for the Eagles, so it's hard to say if he would have been any better. But – 23 of 43, 258, one touchdown and two interceptions. It's just not going to get it done. And with Jalen Hurts, real quick, um, I think he is, if you put him in the right place, he's a good quarterback. He's not a great one. He's a good one. He'll be about an average quarterback. I just don't think that he was quite ready for the playoffs. And um, he's never competed. I mean, you can say in college he did, and college is a little different, but in the NFL, he's never competed at um, playoff level. And when you're going against the Buccaneers, that's a whole step up. Like, if you were playing anyone else, then it's going to be different than if you're playing Tom Brady first round of the playoffs. So I just think the Eagles as a team weren't ready for this competitive of a game. And so I think that really showed. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you did not see them where they're at now next year. So Yeah, I would, th- I would just say, you know – Jalen Hurts does some things really, really well. Uh, The thing that concerns me about him is he hasn't ever had to read defenses. Uh, The dude is just an absolute unit. Um, I remember he was back when he was at Alabama, he was like out bench pressing the lineman. Uh, The guy wants to run with his feet. He, you know, again, he just hasn't had to read defenses. And when you try to, when you get to the NFL on just pure talent alone, this is why scrambling quarterbacks, you know, I've never been looked at favorably in the NFL is because they never had to learn how to read a defense. Tom Brady runs a seven second 40 and he had to learn how to read defenses or else he just wasn't going to be able to do anything. He wasn't going to outrun anybody. And so that's, I think the difference you saw at the grand scale, the difference between a guy like Tom Brady, who's going to be really, really successful in the league, your Peyton Manning's, your Aaron Rodgers, all those guys uh, versus your Jalen Hurts, who, you start throwing these exotic defenses at them uh, in the postseason, and they're just going to fall apart. So, yeah, for sure. 
But, I mean, I hope he can bounce back a little bit, you know. Maybe he'll stay with the Eagles, maybe he won't. But I'd like to see him bounce back and do something next year wherever he's at. I'm assuming he'll stay with the Eagles. I don't think they'll um, get rid of him. Speaking of bouncing back, how about that ref bouncing off of Dak Prescott's back? Dude, so I get I get that the ref does have to touch the ball before the play, blah, 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 whatever. I think that was totally, like, the way that they did that was so bad. He literally, like, turned into Marshawn Lynch running through everyone and just busted his way through, you know, piled through the center, piled through Dak Prescott to grab the ball and – by that time, it was too late. They couldn't get the ball off, and they were trying to go for the spike. Man, I feel so bad for the Cowboys. Like, I mean, yeah. if they got that spike down, they would have had one second left. Could they have done anything with that? They were at the 20-something, I think, when that happened, right? Like the yeah. 24. So, yeah. I mean, you can make the case that you have that one play. You don't have that far. I mean, a 25-yard play, long play, but not not unbelievably long. So, Yes, they could have done something. The chances of anything coming out of it, I feel like, are pretty low. But, I mean, they took the chance away. So they went from having a chance to no chance at all. So Yeah. And so I would say I think a lot of people do treat this as if they were robbed of the game. Uh, you know, there's a couple of things here. There's fault on both sides. Uh, people want to put the blame on Mike McCarthy. I mean, at the end of the day, Dak Prescott should have – should have gone down sooner. You have to have better clock management awareness uh, yep. when you're a franchise quarterback. The whole idea there is to just get a first down. Uh, so you have a couple of plays at the end zone. Uh, so you're not, you know, and, and to get the clock stopped. So, so you're not wasting a down essentially and putting yourself in a bad position without a set of fresh downs. So he makes the scramble. Everything's good there, but he goes for 17 yards. I mean, that in itself, what are you doing? You know that there's, what, 14, 18 seconds on the clock, 14 seconds on the clock, and you're running yeah. 17 yards downfield. And then on top of that, you don't get the ball to the official. You just set it on the ground or you just hand it to your center, whatever you do. You need to be finding the official, getting it to him, hand, holding it up, telling your center to get the hell out of the way. What are you doing? Get out of the way. Let this guy in here getting your offensive yeah. line set up around it and doing it. You, it needs to be something that the, I mean, these guys practice this constantly on the flip side. I don't know what the referee was doing. I get that it was, he made a scramble for 17 yards, but it's like, he didn't, he didn't follow the, the game when there's inside a two minute, obviously no timeouts remaining quarterback is running down the field. You need to be running down the field. It wasn't until after the play. Now he's trying to make it down 17 yards you know, to the spot, but the Cowboys yeah. created a wall. I mean, even in his best scenario, he wasn't going to get through that line. You know, those, those linemen were right up against each other. It was just a complete failure from the referees, but also from, the, and I think it just lays more heavily on Dak and the Cowboys. I mean, go for eight yards, get down, jump up, get the ball to the ref. And you've got a couple of shots and everything's, everything's good. And you probably have two shots at, at you know, at that point. Uh, yeah, if you get down and have 10 seconds left, spike the ball. You got nine seconds left. You're at the 30 instead of the 24, like big deal. It's yeah, now you've, got a, now, you've got, now you've got a sideline shot available as well as a shot to the end zone. Uh, it just – they weren't prepared for the moment. And 
ultimately, this is why I just couldn't take the Dallas Cowboys seriously all season because for some reason, in the biggest of moments, they just seem to come up short like this, uh, no matter how good of a football team they are. Uh, I don't know. Is that Mike McCarthy not being ready for that moment? Is it just Dak who's been in the league for six or seven years and should just have that information just ingrained to his brain, get the first down, go down, get the ball to the ref. I mean, we saw this with the whole, the Steelers and uh, uh, Mapletron. Can't remember his name now, all of a sudden, uh, you know, given the first down signal after it. And there was a whole scandal around. You got to just get the ball to the referee, Larry Fitzgerald. He always gets the ball to the referee. So, I mean, it was just a few games ago we had that whole thing, and these guys know what's going on. So, yeah, yeah, I that feel was like that was Claypool. the whole game. Claypool, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like that was the whole game, but ultimately, Dak didn't play well. Jimmy G didn't play well. Debo Samuel, yeah. the guy that we talked about, did play well. And ten carries as a wide receiver, so seventy-two yards and a touchdown. And ultimately, that's what that's what we knew it was going to come down to. You had to contain Samuel. They didn't get it done. You knew you were going to be in a tough position. They're definitely questioning this whole Zeke contract. I think at this point, twelve carries for thirty-one yards in a playoff game. When yeah, I mean, you when can... you're one of the top paid RBs in the league. Yeah, if you're at that elite level at your position, whatever position it is, and you come into the first round of the playoffs and you do that. Like, I hate to tell you, you're not at that elite level yet because those elite running backs are able to handle that pressure and understand the um, significance of this game in this moment. And they're able to come through and, um, you know, at least put together a decent game, but he didn't even do that. Yeah, I mean, since he got paid, he just hasn't been – he just hasn't been the same guy. I mean, this is a guy who had 1,600 rushing yards as a rookie. Uh, I think he got – when he get hurt or suspended his yet second year, he still in ten games went for nine eighty three, and then he went from fourteen thirty four, thirteen fifty seven. And last year we saw the major step back. He only had nine hundred seventy nine yards. This year, even in a seventeen game season, this would have been in in the old season. This would have been a sub one thousand yard season because he only had one thousand two yards. So uh, they're paying him a lot of money, and he is not uh, he's yeah. not an elite playmaker at this point which is sad to say because this was only his, you know, sixth year in the league. He's still relatively young. Uh, This is what you expect these guys to do. Uh, Yeah. I I feel like I'm going to spend more time on the Cowboys and everything that they did wrong because I feel like it was more about what they did wrong versus what the 49ers did right. This didn't tell me a lot about the 49ers, but it definitely told me a lot about how how the Dallas Cowboys season has been. Yeah, and, like, even if you look at the Niners, so if you just, like, disregard everything that the Cowboys did wrong, like, the Niners did not have a great game, you know. You were saying Jimmy G didn't have a great game. He had 16 for 25, 172 yards in the interception. But the one thing that really stood out to me that I think um, kind of put a damper on things is George Kittle only had one reception for 18 yards off of three targets. Three targets. Yes, I mean, that's yeah, he a guy. Was... He was definitely taken out of the game. Yeah, which you can't do. As this offense, he is, like, one of the key factors in your your offense, and you cannot just, like, only throw it to him three times in a playoff game. So, I mean, they did get lucky. Well, they didn't get lucky. They got the win, but I think that they – if they want to make a push further into the playoffs, they got to have a better offensive scheme than what they did. 
Yeah, which I think we'll get a little bit into more into what they are and who they are uh, coming up. Uh, do you yeah. have any other thoughts on that? I feel like we pretty much wrapped it up. Dallas Cowboys tanked it. 49ers showed up, played a gritty game, and didn't lose. Yeah, I mean, it's basically basically the meat of it. All right. So I think that'll bring us into the last playoff game. Game of the week. And what happened? Tell me about it. Um, you know, I think the Rams just completely dominated. Like you have said, every time you talk about them, when they're on, they're the best team in the NFL. And they came out and showed that. And I think a lot of people are going to think that they're good because they beat the Cardinals. But what a lot of people won't look at is that the Cardinals finished the season one and five in their last six games. Oh, yeah. So the Cardinals oh, yeah. were already on a cold streak. The Rams really showed up, though. Their defense was phenomenal. Uh, offense was great. They did such a good job at scheming. And, like, you know, they did pull out that Odell um, throw, which they haven't done yet, which every other team that he's played for has pulled out that play. So it's good to see that they're pulling that one out. But, I mean, I feel like everything they did was just right. Like, they didn't miss. But also, again, they were playing against the Cardinals, who have been on a pretty cold streak. Yeah, I mean, the, at the end of the day, you just have to put the tape on. And what you saw, like you said, it was a defense that played – incredibly well uh Kyler didn't have time to think uh he made some mistakes obviously but you know the Rams jumped out to a lead you know seven points in the first quarter 14 points in the second you know when you're leading 21 nothing at halftime uh and and Aaron Donald's getting home and uh Floyd Floyd is getting home and uh Vaughn Miller's getting when all these guys are just getting at the quarterback constantly uh there's not a lot you can do and again the Matt Stafford completed 13 passes in this game. He was 13 of 17 for two touchdowns. Uh, like we said, if he doesn't throw an interception, if he just plays efficient football, this team is going to come together. Uh, I think OBJ, though, was the MVP. The stat line would tell you otherwise if you just look at it. Uh, another game where Cooper Cup leads this leads this uh, team in receiving uh, targets and yards. But at the end of the day, Cooper Cup had one, one catch, I think, until the – late in the third or even into the fourth quarter, whereas Odell was getting open early, making big plays. Uh, yeah, took that big jump ball in the end zone on the opening drive. Or no, that wasn't the opening drive. That was the second, right? Yeah, I mean, he's being a true 1A receiver. Uh, if you if you double up on Cooper, Odell's going to beat you. If you double up on uh, Cooper – or sorry, my thing started playing here. If you double up on either one of these guys, the other guy's going to eat and it's showing – uh, Odell is playing with a different level of confidence. Uh, and it's that, it's that bad man, Matthew Stafford, who also got his first win in the playoffs. First yeah, year like with the Rams, 13 years in the playoffs. I mean, that's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm super happy for him. I love to see that Odell also got his first win in the playoffs. Happy to see that too, like always. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think their offense looked pretty good, but the defense just, shut them down is crazy and um I think one of the bigger plays of the game was that um where they had the Cardinals backed up to the end zone nearly got the safety forced Kyler Murray to basically just throw the ball over his head I mean he was trying to throw it towards Drake who was um open there right past the line of scrimmage but I who was it that had that pick six let's see if I can find that 22 uh which was the shortest uh, pick six in shortest history. pick strict pick six in playoff history. 
Was it David David Long? David Long Jr. maybe? He had a touchdown. Anyways, yeah, whoever that corner was made a great play on that. He was there so fast. Like, if you watch that, I mean, he was dead sprint to that ball. He saw that ball go up. And um, if yeah. if he wasn't there, I think that you would have seen um, – I believe it was Kenya Drake who was right there, was it? Who he was, like, trying to get the ball to? Or no, uh, it was James Conner, James, wasn't James it? James Conner, yeah. Yep, that's right. So, I think that corner's not there. James Conner gets that ball, three-yard gain, you know. Rams lose seven points. So I think that was a great play by him. He was there quick. He was alert. Um, not a whole ton of corners are going to make that play. So, I mean, props to him. That was a great play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll get more into the, the Rams and who they are and what they're doing, I think, as we uh, look into previewing the next week here. But, yeah, such a shame for the Cardinals, obviously – what could have been if they don't lose J.J. Watt midseason, if they don't lose DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, those are two absolute superstar players, and they lost a lot of momentum, like you said. Had a major skid towards the end of the season. Uh, people are trashing Kyler Murray. I get it. But at the same time, this is one of the most electric and spectacular players in the football league right now, uh, in the National Football League right now. So uh, just reload – get ready for next year, get Hopkins back. And this team's going to be another major competitor, I think, next year as well. Yep, me as well. All right, I think that wraps it up for the recap. Should we dive into this coming week? Yeah, let's run through them. We only have a couple games here. Divisional yeah, round four. playoffs. Uh, couple there of were teams eight. coming off of buys. Titans, Bengals. Oh, boy. Here's what, what I'll say is I think that this whole round, if you just look at the entire right now, um, you have Bengals, Titans, Niners, Packers, Rams, Bucks, Bills, Chiefs. This has the, like, potential to be, like, the best round ever or, like, the worst round ever. Like, I could see some of these teams just completely getting blown out, but some of them, yeah, we'll just have to – we'll go through them one at a time here. So let's start with Bengals, Titans. And this is one of those ones that I feel like can go either way. I think you could see the Titans come in and just completely dominate, or I think you can see a close game. I think you can see the Bengals, you know, putting up a good stand, hopefully getting their defense together and stopping the Titans' offense. But, I mean, you're going up against a rested Derrick Henry now. So you got you got to think about that. Yeah, and I think it's going to come down to Joe Burrow. I think he's, you know, we were just talking about that and, you know, whether or not he's the – you know, the end-all be-all for the team. But I think there are going to be certain games where he has to be, and I think this is one of them. Uh, if Joe Burrow balls out, I don't think there's any chance that the Titans can keep up. I think if you get into a score fest with the Titans, uh, Tannehill is going to make mistakes. They're not going to be able to run the ball as much, even though they're going to try to. Uh, they did do a good job of slowing down uh, the Raiders' uh, Jacobs last week. Obviously, yeah. if Henry's at 100%, he's a whole different animal. But we also look at the stat line, how many yards that Henry had put together. Uh, he was averaging 30 to 35 carries a game. Uh, he only had like a four yards per carry uh, for the season when he went down. So if you can get at him and just wear him down early, make them run the ball, and then be scoring on the other side of it, uh, it's not like – 
Derrick Henry is just this threat to break one every single week. Uh, he was looking pretty pedestrian. He was getting held to a lot of small games uh, early in the season. So I'm leaning towards the Bengals here. I'm buying in. Uh, I hate both these teams, but <laughs> I'm going to buy in on the Bengals just because I've all, I always believe you got to go with the quarterback and yeah. the defense. And I think that the quarterback and the Bengals defense just have enough more. Trey Hendrickson, I think, makes a huge splash in this game, gets a sack, maybe two. Uh, putting the Titans in negative territory, third and longs. It's just enough to get the win. I think it's going to be a – I think the Bengals have to put up like 35 points to win this game. Uh, I think if they put up less than that, whatever going to be the case, the Titans are just going to be right with them, and they're going to just score with them, and they're going to get the last possession and win it out on a field goal. So, Yeah, I think I'll have to go with the Bengals here too. I mean – Titans, obviously, better-ranked team, number one seed coming in off of a bye week. But, I mean, the Bengals are on fire. They've looked great the past, you know, however many games you want to say. But, I mean, they've just been looking good all season, I think. And Joe Burrow's been – he had a great second half of his season. Had a pretty good first half, too. But, I mean, finished the season off great. And um, coming in against the Titans defense, I think I think he'll be able to get it done. And I want him to. I'd love to see these Bengals go – go pretty far into the playoffs, but, I mean, it is a one seed. So, now, if the Titans should be the one seed is a whole different question, but they are. They got a bye week. So, you do have to take that into consideration. They won some big games. You know, they beat the Rams. They beat the 49ers. uh, They beat some good teams in the regular season. They also barely won a couple of games where it questions whether or not they really earned it, but a lot of teams barely win games throughout the season and they get to where they need to be. So, uh Good matchup, but uh, I'm going to take the hungrier Bengals, even though this Titans team, they're playing for a lot. They've got that first round bye. As long as they're not getting too full of themselves, which is really easy to do coming off a bye, thinking, hey, look how good we are. Uh, you got to be hungry too. You got to want it as bad as this Bengals team because they're going to inch it out and they're going to do what they got to do to get a W. So, Yep, for sure. So I'll take the Bengals in that one all day. So I think – Looking at this next game here, I think is the one team that I probably disrespected more than anybody else. Uh, but they kind of have the same thing going uh, as, a, as a lot of other teams. Aaron Rodgers is 13-3 and three in his last three seasons, doesn't have any Super Bowls, and seems to die out at the NFC Championship game. So I yep. just can never put a lot of stock behind this Green Bay Packers team even though they're clearly one of the best teams in the NFL, maybe the best team in the NFL. But I'm going to shorten this up by saying going to be an easy W for them over the 49ers. 49ers might keep it close on the scoreboard, but it'll never be close in their hearts. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when you have the Packers coming off of a bye week at home, it's going to be hard for anyone to win there. I don't care who you are. That's a tough game. So, and the Niners coming off this past week where they didn't have a great offensive scheme, like you just can't come into a rested Packers team at home with that kind of offensive scheme. So, yeah, I'll take the Packers all day on that one too. Well, like, are they playing on Saturday? Is that when that uh, is? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday. 21 degrees with some snow. Uh, 21 is love it. High, high for the day, so – you got to think if they're playing in the morning. No, they're playing in the evening. So temperatures will be dropping back down. You're probably looking at 
in a, a real feel of nine degrees with the wind chill and everything, you're probably looking at a game that's feeling five degrees. Uh, southern, sunny, Southern California versus gritty Eskimo, Wisconsin, Lambo, Wisconsin. You got to give them the edge. It's it's Lambo, it's Foxborough. It's really tough to win there, uh, especially when these guys are coming off a bye. So, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And then we have the Rams Bucks, which I think has the potential to maybe be like one of the best games we've seen ever. Like even better than the Rams Chiefs game a few years ago. This is yeah. going to be such a good game. Uh, Brady knows he has to show up in this game. Uh, he had to show up in the last game, 41 of 55, 432 yards. Matt Stafford, 27 of 38, 343 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, this was an absolute game. Uh, Rams came away with it, 34-24. The Bengals or the, the Rams were able to shut down the Buccaneers' run game. And they stuck with the run on their side while they weren't necessarily being super successful with it. We will see if Sean McVay outsmarts himself, tries to get away from the run too early. Uh, if it's not going well, which it's not, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think if the Rams stick with their run game, if they play their best version of football, which is what we saw last week, take those two, three yard p- pickups, get into those play action. And it, this should be a good game. This should be a good yeah. game. We do yeah. know this Rams team, they could just implode, though. I just – yeah, I, I don't mean, think that there's enough there, but – Yeah, and the last time they played, or I guess when they played this season in the regular season, the Rams were able to put a lot of pressure on Tom Brady throughout the whole game. And so to kind of make him – And they didn't have Von Miller. Yeah, they didn't have him at that point. So now they have an extra rusher and – or did no, they didn't have Von Miller at that point. You're you're right. No, so no. yeah, so I mean the Rams are gonna have to show up a like a lot a lot. So I think they're gonna have to defensive scheme more than offensive scheme though. I think that they'll be okay on offense, but well, I don't know, because I think they're gonna have a hard time throwing the ball with what we saw the um Bucks secondary do in the wild card round this last week against the Eagles. Um but that is the Eagles, so you do have to take that into consideration. They don't have the elite receiver group that the Rams have. But I still think that you might see the Bucks, um secondary show up, and so that'll force the Rams to turn to the run game, which, I mean, you got to question that against the Bucks. Can the Rams put together a run game versus the Bucks? Well, that's I don't what know I'm if saying. they can. Sony Michelle had 20 carries for 67 yards. Keep in mind, they just got Cam Akers back, who looked pretty solid last, last week. Uh, but yeah. 20 carries for 67 yards, only three and a half yards per carry. And that was with a 15 yard run in there. So that was, that's that to me, that's the recipe for beating the Buccaneers is actually running the ball. Even if it's not necessarily going great, uh, pick up one yard, pick up two yards. Now you're at second and eight, second and nine. You know, that's a lot better than, you know, being second and 10, second and 12, second and 14, you know? So Take those positive plays where they are. I think the biggest thing here, I would love to see Jalen Ramsey shadow Rob Gronkowski in this game because as they, as the Buccaneers go, uh, if the game gets tight, that's where Brady wants to go in the red zone. Uh, you know, I said he threw all those yards last game. He only had one touchdown, and that's because he wants to get to Evans or to uh, 
Gronkowski, I think you put Jalen Ramsey. I think he's physical enough to stick with Gronk. I think he's got the ball skills to knock the ball out. Um, and then you can you can spend some doubles on Evans once you get down to the red zone. And then you just make everybody else beat you. I think that that's kind of where you have to be. And I, I hope we see that because Jalen Ramsey, Rob Gronkowski, that would be a matchup. Oh, yeah, big time. And I think that in that matchup, I think that Ramsey honestly would have the edge there because he's faster. He's more of a position player. But they do like to run that um, Gronk seam right up the middle. And they're so good at running that play. So you got to watch out for that. And you'd have to have, like, Ramsey, like, shade over into, like, an inside zone almost to pick that up. But, I mean, Let's be I, think, I think he can at do best, it. I be, at best, it's evenly matched. Gronkowski yeah. is the greatest tight end to ever step on a football field. I don't care what the numbers say. He is the most unstoppable force on a football field. Um, Jalen Ramsey is a great corner, and I think that's why you got to go there. But I'm definitely not going to give him the edge. I still think Rob Gronkowski eats, and I'll eat some words if I'm wrong. But uh, that's that's the matchup I want to see. And then, again, you can work some doubles. Uh, you've got Weddle, who hopefully can step up big here as far as coverages and things like that, do some yep. unique things, uh, at least make Brady work. Mike Evans, nine catches, 117 yards last last week. Second receiver, five catches for 39 yards. Rob, that was Giovanni Bernard, which I told you he'd be working. Rob Gronkowski, five catches for 31 yards. So you look at that. Mike Evans was the offense last week. They're going to look to do that again. you got to get the doubles over there, and you got to find somebody who can match up with Gronkowski. Single match coverage because, obviously, you start pulling too many coverages and doubles, Brady's going to make you pay with all the stuff underneath to the running backs and things like that. So, Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. Super excited for this game, though. Uh, this was the yeah, game that I, I knew was going to be coming. Uh, I think either one of these teams are going to be one heck of a matchup for uh, the Packers. Obviously, I'm pulling for the Rams here just because I did pick them preseason once they got Stafford. I said there's nobody that's going to be able to beat this team. Obviously, any given Sunday, you never know what's going to happen. But I hope we see the best version of the Rams uh, on Sunday night. And I hope we see the best version of the Buccaneers because, you know, Tom yeah, Brady, be a great game. 44, 45 years old, can't stand the guy. But at this point, I can't help but pull for him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, man, um, do you have any other final thoughts here? No, we got one more game. So, you want to go over that oh, one? Do we? Yeah, we got uh, the Bills Chiefs. Bills Chiefs, my bad. I thought we'd got the last one here. So, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, the Sunday afternoon here. one. Yeah, and that is a game. I lied. This might be my favorite game. Bills, <laughs> Chiefs. Can we see, going back to what I was talking about earlier, can we see the best version of Josh Allen show up? Because, I mean, I maybe, maybe it won't even take it. These are both two such good defenses. That, yeah. I mean, who are you picking here, Zach? Ooh. You know, I gotta, I gotta stay true, and I'll say the Chiefs here because they have, they have the defense, but they also have the offense, and I don't think that their offense is as hit or miss as the Bills. I know that the Bills did beat them in the regular season this year, um, but the Chiefs' offense is always on. I feel like, like they're always doing something. They always have some kind of highlight every week. I feel like. Patrick Mahomes is always doing something, but they also have the defense to pair with that. And when you have a team 
that's well-rounded the whole way around like that. I don't think that a team that has a on and off offense and then an on defense can come in and stop you, honestly. Yeah, I think it benefits. I think it benefits them dramatically that they that they are playing uh, in Kansas City as well. Uh, home field yeah. advantage means so much. Uh, yeah, I, I I gotta take the Chiefs. I just, you know, if Josh Allen plays his best version of football, who knows? But the fact is, the Chiefs just seem to have so many different ways that they can beat you. Uh, they've shown that they can turn the ball over three times and still beat you. Um, you can take away their first, second, and third option, and they'll find a way to make a fourth option uh, and have that be super successful. So uh, as far as an offensive coach goes, there's nobody better than Andy Reid over the last 30 years in the NFL, maybe ever. Andy Reid is the Bill Belichick of offense. Uh, if you go back and look at some numbers, uh, their team, his teams are always just at the absolute top of the league in terms of offensive output and points. And then you've got that guy, Patrick Mahomes, who – had a bad year of four or of uh, 4,800 yards and 37 touchdowns. So, um, yeah, I definitely yeah. have to take the chiefs here, but I, I love to be close, but at the same time, I want to see this be, I want to see 52, 49 to finish this game out. Oh yeah. That's what I want to see. Which I, I think it very well could be. I could see this game either being like a 52, 49. I could also see it being like, a 10-17 game. 100%. 100%. So, I think that both of these teams are going to want to try to go slow uh, unless the other team jumps out and just happens to go fast. You know, if, yeah. if somebody blows a coverage early, I think you see it, it go that direction. Um, other than that, I think you see both of these defensive coordinators say, hey, just give up nothing over the top. Get them down to the red zone. Make them earn it every time. Try to hold them to three. Uh, I think that that's going to be the goal there. I don't think you're going to see a lot of Tyreek Hill and a lot of Stephon Diggs. I think they're going to try to take those guys away. I think you see the Dawson Knox, the Travis Kelsey's, Singletary in the past game, Edwards Alaire in the past game, uh, McKinnon, he's been stepping up. So I do think that the first quarter is going to tell you a lot about what direction the game is going to go. And again, I hope it's a barn burner. It's just be more exciting. Especially if that Rams, if we could see 200 points scored uh, on Sunday, 180 points scored on Sunday, I mean, that'd be a heck of a day. Yeah, I mean, that Sunday's going to be a great day for those. Both those games are going to be awesome. So I'm super excited to watch both of those. Yeah, I think the over under uh, 48 and a half after the Rams, 54 and a half. So, I mean, the over under is over 100 points between these two games. So, what's that tell you? Uh, yeah. Major. Yeah, super excited for it. All right, well, I think that is everything, right? Yep, I got nothing else. Perfect. Well, that'll be all for this week. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Sweet.